You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. That's right. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for joining us. We are brought to you locally by Smiley One and Brian, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling systems. All right, my friend. Daryl, feeling good. It was a great Monday, although the Guardians tried to steal a little bit of noise with Stephen Vote being named the manager of the Guardians. But uh, it was a victory Monday around Northeast Ohio. Chance to celebrate a great win uh, over the Arizona Cardinals, a team that they had not beat in two decades, and throwing their first shutout in 251 games. What was the mood? Um, what was the mood when he left the stadium last night? And then what was the mood of the press conference today? Well, first and foremost, we got to congratulate the Guardians for getting their vote in before Election Day. Good job. There you go. Very, And then they're voting often. So it's the Chicago way, the Chicago way. I'm sure that joke has not been made enough yet. Sure. Now that he's uh, the new manager. And also probably. It would have been scary if they did it on the 31st, right? So. <laughs> and also probably not nearly as expensive as Terry Francona was to pay. So. Um, oh, Daryl, this is not about money. You're not allowed to say that. There's no uh, money involved in this. I, especially the people that were trying to hammer me on social media when I just said, look, they saved a lot of money. And uh, it's part of the deal. But the other point of it is it might not even be the money. They're giving a young manager a chance. I, you know, there are a lot of things that we could talk about, but. I'll either save them for the end of the podcast or for the radio show. Well, if they were looking for someone with no managing experience, I should have applied. You should have applied. Probably. I mean, I, I have managed girls softball for the last couple of years. Well, so that's, you're, you know, you're more qualified than I am then. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the rules of fast pitch and uh, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm done. Done doing <laughs> that. I can tell you that. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the mood's okay. Um you know, there's a lot to feel good about coming off of uh, that uh, 27 to nothing beatdown of uh, Arizona. They handled their business. They did what they uh, were supposed to do, right? And that was just tar and feather uh, an in- inferior opponent, which we're really not used to seeing. Uh, the Browns. It do- does say something about the organization, though, Daryl, doesn't it? It yeah. says that, look, I mean, we used to be the Arizona Cardinals, and I hope that we never go back to that. But I, I know all franchises, except for the Steelers for some reason, and maybe yeah. the Ravens. Yeah, we'll get never it. go back to that point. And, yeah. you know, it, it's kind of nice to be on the other side of one of those games. 
Well, and, and the thing of it is, is too, that they, um, you know, this is a rare instance where things went exactly how they were supposed to go. The Browns were supposed to win this game decisively, and they did. Good for them, right? Defense was fantastic. 58 yards allowed, third fewest in franchise history uh, in a game, uh, you know, uh, seven sacks, three turnovers created. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to do that against the Baltimore Ravens. It would be nice if they would, but I just, I'm being realistic. I don't think that they will, but it was good that they kind of, uh, you know, put as close to a complete game as you can ask for together before they have to go play Baltimore. It sure beats a situation where they barely win the game, right? Or heaven forbid they would have lost the game and then had to play the Ravens and the Steelers back-to-back. Uh, -back. But they go into this game feeling good, feeling good about Deshaun Watson uh, because he played, played relatively well. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't elite, not by any stretch of the imagination, but got to see him show off the arm a little bit. That looked good. Uh, the short intermediary stuff needs a little uh, polishing, but we see that in practice uh, recently. Uh, so that wasn't a surprise to me to see him struggle there. But um, yeah, th there's a lot to feel good about uh, from a confidence standpoint going into Baltimore, considering what the Ravens did to the Browns earlier this year. Now, granted, a big piece of that was Deshaun Watson was not available and they basically started Dorian Thompson Robinson on three hours notice. So there is that component to it, but um, the Ravens, I think have ascended the ranks in the AFC right now. Andy is the team to beat. And we're going to be talking about that quite a bit, uh, not only in this podcast, but in uh, the podcast we record later this week. Let's go back and talk about Deshaun Watson. I, I, I think this was the perfect game for him to have before the Baltimore game because he needed to have a, a confidence building type game. I think yeah. where he was able to, to take care of the football, move his football team when he needed to move the football team, get, you know, let his arm expand a little bit too. I mean, I thought he looked pretty good on the deep balls. I, I thought that he was able to throw those effectively. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about Amari Cooper after the game saying, you know, or, uh, I think it was you that said it, um, that he's, he felt like Deshaun was back, that he knew Deshaun had some kind of rhythm yeah. and zip on the ball after the Kareem game. He said the same thing. Kareem Hunt said the same thing after the game. Yeah. Too. Like, uh, just very little doubt uh, because, again, they see stuff that we don't get to see. In yeah, obviously, right? I mean, we get, right. we get kicked out when the good stuff is happening. And then we just kind of have to piece and parcel together what everyone says uh, about how the, the practice week has gone. So, um, you know, Bo Kareem Hunt mentioned it. Amari Cooper mentioned it. Uh, Joel Batonio said that the, they, they really sensed that, uh, you know, things were going to be okay. A couple of defensive players too. So, um, you know, this is one of those times where what was said actually matches with what actually happened. But um, I, I still feel like Deshaun has some work to do in the, inter in the intermediate game. Uh, some of the shorter passes uh, that were low, right. You know, putting those guys in better position. Now, some of that may be by design uh, as to, okay, if you're not going to catch that, no one's going to catch it. Right. A defender's not going to jump that route and, and steal it from you. But um yeah, I mean, most importantly, besides winning the game, most importantly, no setbacks for Deshaun. He took a couple shots in that game. Let's be honest with me. Yeah, Cooper he did. He did. 
Mari Cooper joked about it. I, look, I'm telling the dude to slide. Like, get down. Stay out of harm's way. Don't take those hits. Now, Deshaun being the competitor that he is, what's he doing? He's lower in the shoulder. He's not afraid to take those hits. And listen, I'm not going to criticize a guy for showing that he's tough, but you got to sometimes, I am with Amari in the sense that sometimes you got to be smart in showing that toughness too. Um, you know, I, someone, I think, I think it was Amari, uh, you know, someone said, don't you feel good though, that Deshaun took a couple of hits in that game and got up and everything was fine. He's like, Hell no, I don't feel good about that. I don't want him to take any hits in the game. So, but but that being said, you do feel good. He took a couple of shots, uh, was no worse for the wear. Uh, at least that's what we're told. That's what Kevin Stefanski said on Monday. And now uh, all the focus and attention goes from Deshaun Watson's health and the condition of the shoulder and that rotator cuff to now, okay, you're back. What the hell are you going to do to finally beat the Baltimore Ravens, right? When, right. Now, when do we get to see the reason the Browns gave up six draft picks and gave you $230 million fully guaranteed? When do we get to see elite Deshaun Watson? Because let's be honest about it, Andy. We've yet to see it. We got a taste of it against Tennessee, right? I think it was 289, right. couple of TDs, ran it a couple times, looked really, really good in that game. Would have thrown for three bills, but he got taken out. Uh, now the story was he got taken out because they were kicking the you know what out of him. Sure. And, uh, so they just decided let's uh, let's get him off the field. But coincidentally, he got the final six minutes of that game off. Same game that he uh, actually suffered that shoulder injury. Now he was able to get the the final five six minutes off against Arizona too. At least this time, hey, what do you know? Not injury related. Absolutely not. You just you know no need to leave him out there when the game has already been decided. So I think that was a smart move by Kevin Stefanski. But yeah, at some point now, I think the question, and I guess I'll ask you, like when is it reasonable to expect elite Deshaun to arrive? Is it this weekend in Baltimore? Does he need, do do you think he's going to deal with this now for the rest of the year? We got to wait till next year. Like when do you uh, think that we got to start seeing, uh, you know, uh, a top, tier caliber uh quarterback performance from him it's done it's over it's got to be this week i mean you're talking about the difference between being three games back on first place and what being a half game back right i mean that's that's where i I mean this is this is why you hired him this week you hired him for this week you hired him for next week obviously you hired him for every week but you when you have the chance to play a team for a second time this year and you didn't have the chance to go on the field in that game. Yeah. You've got a chance to show everybody why you are an elite quarterback, why the Browns spent their money on you, why they gave up draft picks on you, why you feel like you were worthy of every penny that you got. And you said, all right, I'm coming to Cleveland. And this is what we want to do. And we want to win. This is where elite quarterbacks stand out. They go into the face and put their head right into the lion's mouth and they walk away the victor. You have to believe that this is the week that you have to have everything out of Deshaun Watson. He's right. got to take care of the football, make smart plays, and figure out a way to get around the Ravens' defense. That's all there is to it. This week is the week why you brought him in. You're in a great position towards the playoffs. All four AFC North would be in the playoffs if the playoffs started right now. So, you know, uh, not to uh, steal a Star Wars line, fulfill your destiny. Fulfill your destiny and start it this week. You can change a lot of people that have been criticizing you for the last three years. 
you can shut them up this weekend, and it's all right there in front of you. Yeah, because he's going to be juxtaposed against uh, Lamar Jackson, right? And and Lamar is amid another MVP caliber season for Baltimore. Uh, and and look, the, I I picked the Ravens to win this division during training camp, and um and I said as long as they stay healthy, I think that they they got the best roster uh, in the division. And, um, I had questions about Cincinnati coming into the year. I felt the Browns had the second best roster on paper in the division. And as this, like this thing's playing out exactly how I thought it would be. And that this, this division was going to be a dogfight. uh, that all, every team in this division was going to be competitive and going to be in contention. And it was going to come down to the final weeks. And right now it it's kind of setting up that way. But if the Browns lose on Sunday in Baltimore, I think it knocks them out of contention for the AFC North. I, I think that they are that the divisionless title streak will continue uh, for the Browns yet another year. Remember, they haven't won a division since 1989 when it was the old AFC Central, right? The highest that they have finished is second place, and I think they've done it once or twice since 1999. Every other year, and that it look the year they made the playoffs, Andy. People forget they 11 and five. They finished in third place that year, despite winning 11 games. That's how good this division you know is, right? So there's a chance that this team could win 10, 11 games, and they still finish back in third place again. Um, I do not feel like the Browns are going to finish in last place. I still believe it's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. But those sons of guns won't go away. Like, they just will not die. No matter how much I wish for them to die, no matter how much I pick them to die, they just keep rising from the dead. They will not stay down. They don't take the eight count. Or ten, what is it in boxing? Eight count? Ten count? Ten count. Ten standing, count? Standing eight count. Standing eight. standing eight. They won't take the standing eight, and they won't stay on the mat for the the ten. Like they just, it, it blows my mind. Uh, but um, th- this division is living up to the hype. And as you mentioned, like if the playoffs started today, uh, everybody's in. Um, and uh, when we come back, I'll break down where where every where everyone is and who they would play if. The playoffs were to start today. That plus more on the injury front. It's all coming up on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. 
It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, in case you missed it, mobile sports betting is legal here in the state of Ohio now, and BetQL is here to help you make the most informed bets possible. Get all of today's best bets by heading to BetQL.com or simply by downloading the BetQL app. Claim your free three-day trial today at BetQL.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan for all of those exclusive sportsbook offers. All right, Daryl, let's pick up where you left off. All four teams in the AFC would be in the playoffs. What would it look like if it started today? So here's uh, what we would have. Uh, Kansas City's the number one seed in the AFC. Baltimore is number two. Jacksonville is number three. Miami is currently the fourth seed. Pittsburgh is the fifth seed. The reason the Steelers are the fifth seed ahead of the Browns, who are six, is because, of course, that week two victory uh, down in Pittsburgh. Cincinnati is seventh at five and three. So your first round matchups would be Cincinnati, Baltimore, Browns, Jaguars, and Steelers, Dolphins, and of course the Chiefs have the first round by. You want to hear what the NFC looks like right now? Yeah, what's the NFC look like right now? Okay, so Philadelphia is one, followed by Detroit. San Francisco is your third seed. New Orleans is the fourth. Go Saints. Uh, Seattle, the Seahawks, my sister's new favorite team. Uh, they are fifth. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are six and Minnesota is seven. So your first round matchups in the NFC, if the playoffs were to begin this weekend would be the lions and Vikings Cowboys and 49ers and the saints and Seahawks on super wild card weekend. Isn't that what they're, that's what they call it, right? Super wild card weekend. Super. It's absolutely super. Everything is super. It starts Everything with super awesome. wild card weekend and ends with a super wild card weekend and ends with the super bowl. That's what I was trying to say. Sure, where are we on the injury front? We got a little news on Jed Wills today. Good news. Season is not over. Uh, the bad news, he still has to go to injured reserve. Um, and considering he was carted off the field with an air cast on his uh, right leg, th- this is like the best possible scenario, I think, right? I mean, because that, that mm-hmm. scene at uh, Cleveland Brown Stadium on Sunday was pretty scary. Yep. Uh, those went down. Uh, Kareem Hunt got tackled from behind and landed, uh, or was pushed, I should say, during that tackle into the back of Will's uh, right leg. So it is a, an MCL PCL injury, uh, some bone bruising in there as well. Um, so anywhere from four to six, maybe uh, a little longer than that. But the bottom line is, is he can return this year. Like he doesn't have to have season ending surgery. So in that regard, Andy, I think it's like the, the best case scenario Um where the Browns are concerned. You know what I mean? Where do you think they will go with the offensive line though? They're going to have to make some adjustments. Will they try to bring in somebody? Will they bring up a guy like Alex Leatherwood? What will they do? Well, I think first things first, James Hudson comes into the starting lineup. Now the question is, where do they put Hudson? Because remember, uh, Dewan Jones bounced in and out yesterday a little bit too, because he got banged up. So right. Hudson had to come in and play some right tackle. Then um, obviously once uh, Jed went out, he had to go handle things on the left side of the line. Now uh, I am of the belief that they should 
move Dewan Jones over to the left side uh, and protect Deshaun's blind side and then have sure. James Hudson handle right tackle. And if there's anyone that can get him ready to do it, it's it's Bill Callahan because Bill Callahan, in my view, is the best offensive line coach in the National Football League. Now, whether or not that's actually going to happen remains to be seen. Kevin Stefanski did not want to be uh, did not want to commit to any of that today uh, when we talked to him on Monday afternoon. But um, it sounds like that is something that uh, th- I just didn't think this up myself. Right? This is not right. just a unique idea for me. Hey, here's a great idea. It seems like something that the Browns are at least discussing privately uh, behind the scenes. No talk of moving Joel Batoni over. That doesn't to me. No. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I've heard a couple no, of people say, "Well, why don't they just move Joel over?" I'm like, "Why would you take a guy, an All Pro, at his position and move him?" Well, you then why would you create two holes with one? Exactly. Move? So no, I I don't see Joel Batonio getting moved. All right. Uh, any other words on the injury front? Uh, Marquise Goodwin concussion protocol. So, um, of course, you know, he, he left in the, uh, Sunday's game and then, uh, Greg Newsom we'll see on Wednesday, he might return to practice, uh, to be determined, uh, Kevin Stefanski, not real committed, uh, not ready to say anything there. So we'll find that out on Wednesday. Daryl with the Goodwin, I, I, I mean, we talked about this a little bit in the post game, but are we concerned about the wide receiver position? I think when you look at this, you just have to say to yourself, Amari Cooper is my top receiver, and David Njoku is my number two receiver. I, I, I almost think you have to eliminate the wide receivers out, out of the conversation. You're not getting any productivity on Now, the question is, is that quarterback play? Is that lack of separation? Is that good defense? What is it? Why can't the Browns get more out of their wide receivers? Um, looking at the numbers right now, Amari Cooper, 35 catches, 617 yards, and hey, two. At least we have a crooked number with the receiver right. in touchdowns. Uh, however, he still remains the only wide receiver to have caught a touchdown pass this year. Elijah Moore's your second leading receiver at the position. Uh, 29 catches, 270. Uh, David Njoku's at the second leading receiver overall with 32 catches for 319 and a couple of touchdowns. Jerome Ford, your fourth uh, leading receiver. He's got 20 catches out of the backfield for a buck 39. A couple of scores. Harrison Bryant, the only other uh, player to catch a touchdown. Browns uh, touchdown breakdown as follows: They have seven receiving touchdowns. Andy, uh, five of those from non-wide receivers, and they have nine rushing touchdowns. Five of those by some dude named Kareem Hunt. So thank mm-hmm. God they brought that guy back. So what does this tell you about the wide receiving core? Um. Well, it seems to be uh, the Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore show at the position. That that's yeah, but it's like ninety Cooper, ten yeah. percent. I mean, Marquise Goodwin has three catches for ten yards this year. Uh, he also has four carries for thirty-three yards this year, right? So you're not using him a whole hell of a lot, David Bell. You're is that uh, by design or is that by the fact that those guys can't get open? What what, what opportunity? Um, your good buddy, David Bell, has a whopping four catches for 33 yards. He's hurt too, um, right? Yep. Uh, everybody was devastated by the loss of Donovan Peoples-Jones, him being traded to the Lions, but he had eight catches for 97 yards, uh, 18 targets overall there. I mean, I just think it's it's a combination of a little bit of everything. Uh, quarterback issues, uh, system, and guys being open, and opportunity, and and all that. 
all I know is every year we think that they have a surplus at a position. It turns out they really don't. Remember all the years like we're like, ha, they got this abundance of riches at running back, right? And then it, they got Nick Chubb. And then Kareem well, I mean, they did. I mean, when they had Kareem and Nick at the same time, that did feel like it. And then there were always guys that are like preseason favorites that. Well, and that know. was the point I was going to make because, you know, we've had a few years where like, oh, my God, look at all these. They got receivers everywhere. You know, they got receivers they can trade. They can get first round picks for the eighth guy on the depth chart. Like, right. I mean, that's that's what fans were doing in training camp uh, uh, over the years. And then it turns out. No, they got like one or two guys that can catch a football and the the rest of them are, you know, practice squad guys or whatever. But, um, I mean, they've got talent at the position, Andy. You know, uh, by the way, the impact – would you like to know the impact of the uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones trade? Yes, give it to me. On Sunday's game and the opportunities that it opened up? Sure. Cedric Tillman got one target for three yards. He caught it. Um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I blinked. I, I, I blinked uh, on that play. Marquise Goodwin was targeted twice, no catches. But uh, got hurt. Elijah Moore, uh, two targets, two catches, 14 yards. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That is for, for those that were just absolutely devastated that the Cleveland Browns traded Donovan Peoples-Jones away. And they, not so much that. Were you getting feedback that people were devastated by it? Like, I didn't no, feel like anybody were, was They were devastated. really concerned. It was a concern. Like, what are the Browns going to do now? Who's going to get all those targets? And then Less I, than 20? Yeah, and then I had to explain to him, well, he wasn't getting targets. Like, that's kind of part of the deal. That's why they moved him. So he can go somewhere, be productive. He's in the final year of his contract. They're not going to extend him, whatever, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know if it's a system thing or whatever. Now, Kevin Stefanski was asked that very question on uh, Monday. And um, I will just say that his answer to say that his answer was vague at best, I feel like would be kind. And I'm, lo- I'm pulling up the quote right now. Cause I want to uh, um, say it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I want to quote him correctly. Uh, let's see here. Um, okay. Here it is. Um So first off, you should know that while we have spent the last couple of minutes discussing this particular problem, uh, Kevin Stefanski has spent no time thinking about it. Um, (laughs) So it's good to know that we are spending uh, investing quality podcast time on this very subject. Uh, Here's what Kevin said, quote, uh, uh, the opposing teams know Amari is a good football player. He gets a ton of attention that opens up other opportunities. But the question is, no one else is getting other opportunities. Anyway, uh, but the ball goes where the ball goes. It's just based on coverage. All our guys are doing what they're supposed to do. And when the ball finds their way, we have a ton of trust in all of our receivers, tight ends, you name them. So he said nothing. Basically. Hey, Daryl, when we come back here in a second, we'll we'll ponder this, uh, what he said. And we're also going to talk about if the Browns are ready for primetime or not. The answer might be something you don't like. It's always game day in Cleveland. It is always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder, and I'm Andy Baskin. All right, when we left off, what were we talking about? We are talking about uh... the receiver problem, the receiver production problem that you and I believe exists, but Kevin Stefanski has spent no time worrying about. 
Again, I think if you look at your tight ends and consider them wide receivers or receivers in general, which I think it's easy does. to sleep at night. Well, and he thinks of it same thing. You know what he's looking at, Andy? To be perfectly, he's he's looking at production in the passing game overall, right? So right. On, on Sunday, Deshaun uh, completed 19 passes uh, out of 30. He uh, completed passes to two, four, six, seven guys. Amari Cooper, five catches. Jerome Ford, five catches. David Njoku, four catches. Elijah Moore, two. Uh, Akins, Tillman, Strong, one apiece. So he's looking at seven different guys combined for 19 yards, similar to the running game, right? Uh, Jerome Ford, 20 for 44. Uh, Kareem Hunt, 14 for 38 and a touchdown. Deshaun, three for 22. Pierre Strong, three for nine. Add it all up. That's 40, 40 carries for a buck 13, right? And so I think he's looking at the at the, the uh, he's looking at the production in the aggregate, and not so much individual production. We're focused on okay. Well, Amari is like the the dude in the passing game, right? He's the guy getting the catches, getting the yards. I wouldn't say getting the touchdowns because he only got two of them, but he's the only receiver that has caught a touchdown pass this year. And we are going into let me check my notes. We are going into week number ten. We're headed right. to 10, and they got one dude that plays the position of wide receiver uh, that has caught a touchdown. And to your point, I, I think that, you know, we just expected this passing game to be more prolific. But Deshaun has been out for four of the last five games. You could argue the last five, right? Let's see. Uh, I mean, do we do we have to count the Indianapolis in the, the five throws he made? against the Indianapolis Colts. Do we really no, have No, we're only counting that? the three throws that went to members of the Cleveland Browns on that. So he missed like so basically he missed four games over of of uh you know of, of, I think that's like, fair. You know what I mean like uh Baltimore bye week, San Francisco, the Colts, we're not going to count it and Arizona. So you know, I I mean he comes back against Arizona and was he showed that he can he can handle it. Right. I, right. I think that's the best way to describe it. It was like, you know, he threw for 219 yards. Um, he completed 19 of 30. Uh, now his rating was really, really good. It was a 107.5 rating. Um, but it, it, and you felt good about the deep ball, but again, we are waiting for the 300 plus yard four touchdown performance from Deshaun Watson. Would you would you agree with that? Hundred percent. And I hope it's this week or over the next two weeks. I just need him to be efficient this week against the Ravens. I'll be honest with you. I don't need massive superstar this week. I need a guy that's going to take care of the football because I think if they don't turn the ball over, they're going to be successful against the Ravens. But well, they have to hang on to the football. I'm going to disagree with you. I think he needs to be superstar this week because you're going up against a superstar. You, yeah, I get it, Daryl. But as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, I think they're going to be all right because I think the defense can be the superstar. Well, I, I need him to be efficient, man. When he starts, when we start throwing the ball away and we continue to fumble or we try to extend the play, when you know you could live to see another down. I, I just think they'll be. I, I think they're more in the game if he can be efficient. Do I need a superstar performance? Yes, I would love it, absolutely. But I do think that one thing we did see against one of the worst teams in the NFL was that when you take care of the football, good things are going to happen. You can kick yeah. field goals and not feel pressure to get in that end zone every time because when you're feeling pressure to get in the end zone, that's when you're feeling pressure and you start turning the ball over. I we've just seen it too much. Yeah, and and. 
you know, the Browns historically have done a real good job. Just my point is, is like, we're going to need Deshaun to play better than Lamar Jackson to win. Like that, that's what the Browns are going to need. Um, How about even with? You forget this Raven defense is good. Oh, I know it's good, but and, I think ours is good too. Oh, but here's the difference. They score points. Baltimore scores points on defense, right? The Browns, right. you know, the, the Browns get, do a good job getting off the field. Um, they are starting to get turnovers in bunches. In fact, the Browns on third down this season, I got to look it up here real quick uh, as I cheat here. Uh, they are allowing opponents to convert uh, 30. Well, let's see here. Opponents are converting 26% on third down. That is outstanding uh, for the Browns. Uh, they're starting to create some turnovers. Uh, they won a turnover battle for just the second time this season, right? So right. Point, yes, they need to win the turnover battle. You need Deshaun to play the, uh, equal to, if not better, than Lamar Jackson. Um, and then you're pro- and you you win the turnover battle. And if you're able to do that, your odds of winning in Baltimore increase exponentially. And look, the Browns don't beat the Ravens often. But there have been surprises over the years where you've gone into Baltimore and you're like, yeah, no chance in hell to win this game. And then what do the Browns do? They go and play the game of their life and they come out of there with a win. It actually happened a couple years ago. So where they really took the boots to the Ravens. Like it was the most impressive beat down of Baltimore uh, since they stole Cleveland's football team. So, right. uh, and, uh, you know, so well said. Need, that, need that on Sunday. Need them to just you know, carry over what they did uh, against Arizona, but uh, easier said than done and the competition much more stiffer than what the Cardinals provided. All right, Daryl, final topic. There was tons of talk when we were leaving the stadium last night that the Browns could get flexed in their game against the Steelers, which would put them on Sunday night football. Now it appears that's not going to happen. I wonder why. Uh, So this is uh, Eric Dalala. Uh, on X, he posted this, and I, ver- I verified, double checked, and verified. He is a staff writer for the Denver Broncos website, okay. and he posted that the NFL confirmed no changes to the Week 11 schedule. The Broncos will play in prime time the next two weeks. Uh, Bills on Monday Night Football in Week 10, and then the Vikings on Sunday Night Football in Week 11. The reason why that seems somewhat pertinent is because it looked there was a there were rumblings that Browns Steelers here in Cleveland might get flexed from one o'clock into that uh, Sunday night football window. And I'm guessing that's not going to happen. That official announcement is probably going to come when all of our listeners are actually listening to our podcast on Tuesday. That's usually when the NFL drops any schedule adjustments. So we'll be on the lookout for that. But again, uh, according to uh, this staff writer from uh, the Denver Broncos team website, he would know um, it does not appear that uh, the Broncos are getting flexed out, which means it looks like Brown Steelers stays uh, at one o'clock. Daryl, do you think there's a reason why they wouldn't? Fl- I mean, the market sizes are about the same. Both teams are meh, although, you know, Minnesota had a big win yesterday yeah with josh dobbs and that was, that was impressive let's give josh I'm, dobbs some love yes let's give him some former, love yes former cleveland brown to be to go up there and have kevin o'connell having to in his headset not only call the play but explain the plays like in that tight one because they cut it off i think it's 14 or 15 seconds on the play clock 
they cut the the, the quarterback uh, communication right. off. But uh, that, I mean that that is just such an incredible. I mean, first- they were explaining the plays to him in his headset. Yeah. That's what they kept talking about. And but Mer- uh, Meredith, our, our amazing producer, and I both know that he's a genius after going yes. to NASA with him. He is we a rocket scientist. NASA Glenn uh, here in Cleveland uh, posted on X, gave him a a, a shout out, gave him a nick, uh, new nickname. I I, I forget what it was, um, but I, I thought it was pretty uh, creative. But yeah, let's give Josh Dobbs some astronaut. Isn't that what it is? The pastronaut. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So um, you know, it can be done. Like it, it can be done. You can. Walk out there and and you know pull a rabbit out of your hat and and and, and win a big game. So good for Josh. He's- yeah, but let me go back to the initial question. Do you think the NFL wants the Browns in primetime on Sunday night? I don't think it's um well clearly not a lot of talk early when Deshaun got here that there was no way the Browns were gonna see prime a lot of primetime games. Well, uh are we past that or no? Yeah, I do. Yeah, because where's like the conversation about Deshaun has all been about football this year. It's all been here, about here, here, here. Cause you realize that if, if the Browns make the playoffs and start making headlines, if the Browns made the Super Bowl, the whole thing gets turned back up again. You know it and I know it. You know it. I'm right. Just say it. You're right, Andy. Well, they didn't they didn't do that to Ben Roethlisberger. They didn't do it to Ray Rice. They didn't do like you know what I mean? Like uh they've not well, I mean, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt has rehabilitated his image with the Browns. And right, I but, uh, I mean, you're talking about quarterbacks versus a running back in that scenario. I know. And, just, you know, I, I and I hope you're right, Daryl. I, I I mean, I hope you're right that it probably wouldn't. I, I just I, – I can't see it. I, I still I'm think – I'm just looking at other controversial things that have happened involving players around the NFL – and how NFL national media has handled them uh, in the aftermath is, and what I mean by that is. And by the way, I mean, those other two stories weren't in the day. I mean, social media wasn't there for those guys. I I get it. But the lead, once the punishment has been handed out and served, the NFL likes to pretend things didn't happen. Well, that I agree with you on that, but I just, I'm having a brain cramp. Chris Collinsworth, there was, there was a game. Because Chris Collinsworth got a tremendous amount of criticism. This didn't involve this. This was something else where he uh, glossed over something involving a player and Collinsworth was criticized heavily for it. And this was re- like, this was like re- either last year or two. And I'm trying to remember the situation, but yeah, the NFL, when it comes to anything uh, negative involving their players, once that player has, done their time as far as league discipline goes right and when they return to the national stage the league tries to pretend that nothing happened fair enough fair enough no i hear you no i hear you and i hope you're right i i I just i wonder i still think it'll take center stage in some scenario if the browns have super success nobody talks about miles garrett swinging the helmet at mason rudolph anymore no they don't you're right although outside of the city of Pittsburgh, outside of Steeler fan. And why? My, and and we, we talked about it at the time. It was very out of character for Miles to do something like that. Right. Um, he has always struck me as a pretty genuine good guy. Um, in my dealings and interactions with him and, and getting to know him over the years. So that just seemed like it was, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, 
the NFL does a really good job. I'm not, I swear, I'm not complimenting him or, or anything, but they, they do a good job of redirecting narratives and redirect sure. focus sure. of fans when there are negative things involving players' pasts. Um, and again, I, to the, I, I think the fair comparison is Ben Roethlisberger. You know, what he was yep. accused of when he was yep. with Steelers, and then, you know, he it's all forgotten about uh, as he continued to win games and even during uh, his retirement. Outside of a few national folks penning, hey, let's not forget that Ben Roethlisberger was accused of A, B, C, and D, right? Sure. Um, yep. But um, and, and so that's why I kind of feel like, to you, your argument that the league is deliberately trying to keep Deshaun. No, up. I'm not. I'm not saying they're, that they are. They, I just. I wonder if that's in the back of their minds. That's all. Have, I'm not saying they're deliberately yeah. doing it. I'm just saying. They I wonder if that's still on the agenda there. Thursday night football. So I don't know that there's much of a motivation to try and do that. And by the way, the Browns were weren't the Browns on Sunday night football during Deshaun's suspension last year. Yeah, during the suspension. There yeah. you go. So I'm going to say. Well, I'm going to say that. No, I mean, they didn't have to. I'm, I'm going to say no that they're not they're not doing anything to deliberately keep the Browns off of primetime. That's my all right. That is he's Daryl Ryder. Yes, he is. I I'll, I'll 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 buy into what you're saying. He's Daryl Ryder. She's Meredith Kane, the amazing producer of this podcast. And we'll be back later this week with another edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. <laughs>